you know, the blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that stops sin from condemning me. I want to tell you something. It is the only thing that God recognizes to stop sin from condemning us. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, wherever you are. My name is Rod Hembry. I'm Janice. And that is the truth. That's the reality. And that's the difficulty with today. It's not a human thing but it is a godly thing. We're going to talk about that in just a moment. Corey is here with Ryan. Corey? I'm going to be talking about some of the modern discomfort that you may be feeling as you read through some of these miraculous events from the Old Testament. Ryan? Today I'm talking about the miraculous splitting of the Red Sea. God accomplished this to provide his people passage across to the other side. More on this later. All right. Very interesting. Corey or Janice? Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. All right, so let's get our Bibles out, open up our Bible guide, and let's listen to what God is saying. Exodus 12, verses 12 through 28. For I will pass through the land of Egypt on that night, and will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, and against all the gods of Egypt I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. So this day shall be to you a memorial, and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation, and on the seventh day there shall be a holy convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared by you. So you shall observe the Feast of Unleavened Bread, for on this same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month, on the fourteenth day of the month at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the twenty-first day of the month at evening. For seven days no leaven shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native of the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwellings you shall eat unleavened bread. Then Moses called for all the elders of Israel and said to them, Pick out and take lambs for yourselves according to your families, and kill the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel and the two doorposts with the blood that is in the basin. 
and none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through to strike the Egyptians, and when he sees the blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your houses to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and your sons forever. It will come to pass, when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he promised, that you shall keep this service. And it shall be, when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? That you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord, who passed over the houses of the children of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshipped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Exodus chapter 12, verses 12 through 28. Exodus chapter 11, 12, and 13. That's what we read today as we continue to go through the Bible in our 32nd year. And this is an interesting passage because this is about the 10th plague. You see, the Lord spoke to ancient Israel about what actions they must take for death to pass over their households. Now, God's judgment was coming on Egypt in the 10th plague. And today we live in the time of the grace of Jesus Christ. And that means that we have opportunity to come to God in repentance. Now, one day, however, God's judgment will come and people will finally be confronted with what they believe. Now, it is interesting to me how the Exodus and the law seem to reflect the judgment of God that is still to come. Revelation 19 speaks clearly about when Jesus will come back with his army and pronounce judgment upon the nations and people who have rejected him. Just as Pharaoh had the opportunity to repent, so do we. And the question is, will we? Well, we have opportunity. A lot of people always have excuses, don't they? Well, you know, I am who I am and God made me this way and I'll repent when I feel like it. Or I don't want to repent because you know, there are all kinds of excuses. But let me tell you something. Sin is real. And sin has infected us. That's the problem with the world. It's not all these little things. It's sin. The problem is S-I-N, sin. So we need to remember that. Very important. The Passover lamb. Father, help us as we study this and as we look at it, as we read from the word. Let's read from the word and not into the word. And I pray today, Lord, that we would hear you. Help us to hear you today in Jesus' wonderful name. And we said together, amen and amen. With that in mind, let's go to the scripture as we begin with verse 12, because we've studied the scriptures previous years before that. Verse 12 says, for I will pass through the land of Egypt, I will, on, the, on that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, man and beast and animal, and against all the gods of Egypt, 
I will execute judgment. I am the Lord. Now the blood shall be a sign for you on the houses where you are. And when I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. Did you hear what he said? The blood of Jesus Christ is the only thing that stops God's judgment. The blood of Jesus is the only thing that stops God's judgment. You see, being born again brings us under the blood of Jesus Christ. Beloved, loved of God, listen carefully. The blood of Jesus Christ is so important. We need to hear that. And may the blood of Jesus Christ wash my sins away. May it fall on me and wash my sins away. And may you pray the same thing as we come to the Lord. Very important part of the Passover feast. Let's go on. Verse 14. So this day shall be to you a memorial and you shall keep it as a feast to the Lord throughout your generations. You shall keep it as a feast by an everlasting ordinance. Seven days you shall eat unleavened bread. On the first day you shall remove leaven from your houses. For whoever eats leavened bread from the first day until the seventh day, that person shall be cut off from Israel. On the first day there shall be a holy convocation, a set-apart convocation. And on the seventh day there shall be a convocation, a set-apart convocation for you. No manner of work shall be done on them, but that which is which everyone must eat, that only may be prepared for you. So you shall observe the feast of unleavened bread. For on this same day I will have brought your armies out of the land of Egypt. Therefore you shall observe this day throughout your generations as an everlasting ordinance. In the first month, on the 14th day of the month, at evening, you shall eat unleavened bread until the 21st day of the month at evening. For seven days, no leavened bread shall be found in your houses, since whoever eats what is leavened, that same person shall be cut off from the congregation of Israel, whether he is a stranger or a native in the land. You shall eat nothing leavened. In all your dwellings, you shall eat unleavened bread. Do you get the point here? God commands that Israel dedicate themselves to the feast of the Lord's Passover. Dedicates themselves to it. We must take the Lord Jesus seriously to be saved from destruction. We have to take Jesus Christ seriously if we understand sin. He is the only one, the only one who can forgive us of our sin. He paid the price. He rose from the dead, gave us eternal life in the flesh, seen by over 500 people. That's the way it was. Now, I want to tell you something. If you don't trust in Jesus as the only answer, well, whatever you believe, you're going to live and die with. But whatever I believe, Jesus Christ is Lord and he is God. I also will live and live with. Very interesting. All right, let's read on. 21. Then Moses called for the elders of Israel and said to them, 
Pick out and take lambs for yourself according to your families and kill the lamb or the Passover lamb. And you shall take a bunch of hyssop, dip it in the blood that is in the basin, and strike the lintel, the two doorposts with blood that is in the basin. And none of you shall go out of the door of his house until morning. For the Lord will pass through and to, to strike the Egyptians. And when he sees blood on the lintel and on the two doorposts, the Lord will pass over the door and not allow the destroyer to come into your house to strike you. And you shall observe this thing as an ordinance for you and for your sons forever. It will come to pass when you come to the land which the Lord will give you, just as he has promised that you shall keep this service. And it shall be when your children say to you, what do you mean by the service? That you shall say, it is the Passover sacrifice of the Lord who passed over the houses of the children of Israel, Egypt, when he struck the Egyptians and delivered our households. So the people bowed their heads and worshiped. Then the children of Israel went away and did so, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did. Which brings me to the third point. The Lord called on Israel to see and feel the sacrifice. Later in time, Jesus Christ gave himself as a sacrifice once and for all for those who believe. If you believe in Jesus Christ, then you know when you ask repentance, he will forgive you of your sin, wash you in his blood, and give you eternal life. Jesus Christ spoke to us and told us not to be afraid, not to be troubled by these times. This is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning of God's final reconciliation with the world. God is going to make things change in our lives, and this is very important. He has selected you and myself to live in this time. And I find that absolutely amazing. For my segment today, I wanted to talk about the famous parting of the Red Sea. And you know, this historical event is recorded in Exodus chapter 14, and not surprisingly is considered nothing more than a fairy tale by skeptics. It's often assumed that an event such as this could never happen. But the fact is that events similar to this one has happened and they've happened recently and for the entire world to see. Exodus chapter 14 documents the extraordinary account of God providing passage for his people through the splitting of the Red Sea. It was a final demonstration to Pharaoh that Yahweh is the King of Kings and the God of Gods. Not surprisingly, there has been a great deal of skepticism surrounding this biblical event, as well as others especially when viewed through the lens of inaccurate Hollywood reenactments. For example, a common misconception is that the Red Sea split the instant Moses lifted his rod. But actually, the Bible records that it occurred throughout an entire night, and that the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. Still, skeptics insist that such an event could never happen. However, similar events have happened, and they've happened recently and for all to see. Consider, for example, Hurricane Irma, which literally sucked up billions of gallons of ocean water. While there was much news coverage on this massive hurricane, breaking Israel news understood its significance. 
They report, a strange sight straight out of the Bible suddenly appeared when the powerful winds of Hurricane Irma blew away the parts of the Atlantic Ocean, leaving behind swaths of land dry enough for the children of Israel to tread upon. America witnessed the awe-inspiring might of extremes and God's mastery over nature when two of the most devastating and powerful hurricanes in history hit the southern Atlantic coast back to back. Harvey dumped a record 51.8 inches of rain on Texas, and Irma, the most powerful hurricane ever recorded over the Atlantic, displayed an entirely different aspect of God's might with 190 mile per hour winds. When Irma finally made landfall in Florida, it had calmed considerably, but the winds were still strong enough to literally blow the ocean away. In the opposite manner of water-laden Hurricane Harvey, Irma made dry pathways through the ocean in precisely the manner described in Exodus when the children of Israel were in dire straits on the shore of the Red Sea. This amazing and rare phenomenon occurred in both the Bahamas and Florida. Areas normally part of the ocean were suddenly dry, leaving boats and sea mammals stranded. The strange sight was the result of the same forces that flooded Texas and the same force that divided the Red Sea powerful winds. Upon reviewing video footage of this rare phenomenon, atmospheric scientist and deputy weather editor for the Washington Post, Angela Fritz, commented, I knew right away that even though it seemed impossible, it was absolutely legit. As a meteorologist, there are things you learn in textbooks that you may never see in person. You know they happen theoretically, but the chances of seeing the most extraordinary weather phenomena are slim to none. Just as with Pharaoh many years ago, Yahweh, through this display of power, is demonstrating to us today that He is the Lord and there is no other. So once again, something that skeptics believed could never happen, happened. And it happened for everyone to see. As a matter of fact, online you might still be able to find videos of people walking on dry land where ocean once used to be. Now, the other interesting thing is that the water that was taken up eventually returned. And believe me, when it returns, it happens really quickly in the form of a flash flood. It's definitely not something that you want to stick around for. But the point we should all take from this is exactly what the Israeli news report said. God is showing the entire world that he is real and that the events recorded in the Bible are absolutely true. We can trust his word. God has given us a ton of evidence for his existence, and that's why anyone who denies him is without excuse. And one last thing I want to say is that God's acts sometimes appear to be done within the laws of nature, but we need to accept that there are many other acts of God which definitely break those laws. But in no way does this lower the credibility of these events. God, as the creator of the laws of nature, can choose to act within them or outside of them. And when he does act within the laws of nature, we shouldn't think any less of these acts. The fact that the waters were split when God commanded them to split is a miracle in itself. And what it shows is that creation does have a creator and that he is master over it. The God of the Bible, the living God, Jesus Christ, is that creator. And he demonstrates this to us just as he did to Pharaoh all those years ago. And that's really something. And I remember those videos. And uh, when I saw the man walking and I saw 
him walking up next to a dock. It was amazing. Mm -hmm. And uh, that was stunning. Jan uh, Corey? All right. Well, I'm going to continue to talk about miracles, but from a little bit of a different angle, because it is true in our modern Western world, this can make us really uncomfortable because we look at the supernatural. We look at historical accounts of miracles and even modern accounts of miracles a little bit differently. And we tend towards skepticism. So let's talk about it. The Bible records many amazing actions of God within its pages, face-to-face -face talks, supernatural creatures, one-time natural events as a direct result of God's interference, like the flood, the rainbow, and the ten plagues of Egypt. The Bible records miracles like the Red Sea crossing, the stopping of the Jordan, and the destruction of the walls of Jericho. Today's Western world finds these events intolerable. If we don't see or experience these things today, then they must be impossible, which we should be reminded is a part of the definition of a miracle, something very unusual that without the outside interference of God would be impossible. People have responded to the miracles of the Bible in many ways. Wholesale rejection of them as myth or legend, wholesale acceptance of them as possible for a creator God, and attempts at explanation that often reach into the natural world. Perhaps, for example, the stopping of the Jordan River during Joshua's conquest of Canaan was caused by an earthquake, since the Bible says the water flow was stopped up in a heap at the city of Adam, and to this day, earthquakes and landslides are known to periodically cause interruptions in the river's flow. Natural explanations like this go some way in making us modern men feel more comfortable. But when analyzed more closely, even if the Jordan was stopped by a landslide, the chances of it stopping right when the priests carrying the Ark began walking into the river are astronomical. In other words, it would still be classified as a miracle of God who told the Israelites when to walk into the Jordan in the first place. Other natural explanations seem to expose our willingness to believe in anything but miracles, or perhaps on the other hand, to try to scientifically bolster the credibility of our belief in the God of the Bible. Good examples of this are found in the natural explanation theories given for the 10 plagues of Egypt. Popular theories see harmful algae invade the Nile due to violent storms upriver, or likewise, a harmful organism invades the Nile and begins attacking fish. These are equated to the first plague of the Nile River turning to blood, which then begins a chain reaction that accounts for the first six plagues. While these theories seem to offer intriguing possible methods for the miracles of God, they only potentially account for the first six plagues, with a new sequence of natural events needed for the final four. They're also not evidenced by any known activity in the area. Scholar Brad C. Sparks has convincingly shown these explanations themselves would require rather miraculous circumstances to begin in the Nile. One of the algae in question naturally occurs in stagnant or slow-flowing rivers, not at all matching the description of the Nile. And others only occur in cold temperatures, making them incompatible with the tropical Nile. Interestingly, these natural explanations themselves would still require something rather miracle-like to have occurred. Whichever way we cut it, the Bible serves us a challenge. The question is, how will we respond? So I just want to encourage you here, if you're feeling challenged by what we've read so far in the Bible, specifically if you're feeling challenged by these miracle accounts, here's some encouragement. The Bible is meant to challenge us. 
It's meant to. It's doing what it's supposed to. I mean, our in our culture, that's not a very popular thing. We we value in our secular culture and our non-godly culture just acceptance as is. I accept you as is, and I'm just going to leave you alone now. You're accepted. It's fine. But that's not what Christianity is all about, and that's not what the Bible is all about. Absolutely, God accepts you. He loves you, but He also forgives you and then sets you on this path of change to becoming more like Him. Change, as we all know, as our lives tell us, is not a comfortable process, but it is ultimately a good one. So if you're feeling uncomfortable, please take some encouragement from that. And I would say congratulations, Mm because we're all feeling uncomfortable. So, I mean, you know, there you go. All right. Thank you, Corey Jan. Mm -hmm. In Exodus 12, we are talking about the Passover lamb. And I titled this, Thank You, Lord, for Saving My Soul. Do you remember that chorus? Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation so rich and free i think a lot of you remember that little chorus and you know in a sense christians we also celebrate the passover when we celebrate the lord's supper jesus last supper with his disciples which took place at the time of the passover And so as Christians, when we recall Jesus' saving acts for us, we can also thank God for his saving acts for the Israelites at the time of the Exodus. So, you at home, let's sing it again, once again. Thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. Thank you, Lord, for making me whole. Thank you, Lord, for giving to me thy great salvation, so rich and free. The great salvation of God is amazing and comes through Jesus Christ. And I want to encourage you to open your heart to the Lord today because he actually is waiting for us to do the same. And simply pray and say it this way. Say, Jesus Christ, come into my life. I need you today. Forgive me of my sin. Help me to understand that you are Lord that you died on the cross and rose again. And I pray, Father, that I would change forever. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now, the word amen means make it so, and it will be so. So I want to encourage you today as we sang, thank you, Lord, that God is moving in his spirit. And we pray today that you would sense it and you would feel his spirit. So that's very, very important. Also remember, next time we're going to continue on in the book of Exodus. It is a great time to get your Bible and begin to think. Now, if you don't have a Bible guide, 
This is the January Bible Guide. You can write for yours or call for yours or go to BibleDiscoveryTV.com, click on the picture and it'll take you to a page. That's where you get it. So get your Bible Guide.